45 to three. Really? That was more embarrassing than I ever thought it would be. Where do the Miami Hurricanes go from here? You are locked on Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet and contributor to allhurricanes.com. And thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today, even in tough times like these. I know if you're tuned into this episode, you're either the realest of the real Canes fan because you haven't checked out yet, or maybe you're a Florida State fan who's come in here for your victory lap. And you know what, bros? Welcome. (laughs) What can I say? Florida State thoroughly kicked our butts all around that field last night. I have no rebuttal. Right, Make your snarky comments, take your victory lap, but I am going to give you guys my biggest takeaways on that debacle, 45-3 loss against Florida State, and more importantly, where these coaches, where these players go from here, and where does recruiting go from here, because I know that's what everyone wants to talk about at this point. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You guys know, as far as Mario Cristobal goes, uh, I am absolutely and unapologetically a part of the patience brigade, right? I'm not fully judging Mario based on one season this season, but I am still embarrassed. And I can still admit that coaching was obviously part of the problem last night. Not going to lie to you about that. Even with your starting quarterback clearly not being ready to play and then having to leave the game in the first half, even though, yeah, we lost another starting offensive lineman during the game, Jalen Rivers, to injury, and the O-line is absolutely decimated, even though I have been telling you all year that I don't think the talent on this team is as good as what the blue chip ratio or the number of four and five star high school recruits would suggest. With all that said, there is no excuse for a 45 to three loss at home to your biggest rivals and the stadium Guys, I was there. I know a lot of you watching and listening were there. The stadium was 100% sold out. And the vast majority of the people in it were cheering for Miami. We all deserve better than what we saw last night. I thought the coaches, if I'm going to nitpick some things here, I thought the coaches could have done a much better job managing the whole Jakari Brown, Jake Garcia rotation, even after Tyler Van Dyke went out. And of course, you know, uh, it always throws a wrinkle when your starting quarterback gets hurt early in the game. In this case, he was re-injured, so we should have, seen the potential of that coming right because you knew that hey you probably wouldn't start him if this wasn't Florida State I think it was one of those deals uh but honestly I still thought they could have done a better job managing Jakari and Jake after that point like Garcia for example uh honestly he never should have even come back in the game after throwing that inexcusable interception uh because it looked at that point like it was going to be the Jakari Brown show for the rest of the game and it probably should have been like, they should have honestly just stuck with Brown the whole way instead of forcing Garcia back in, and then he loses a fumble. So I know that Josh Gaddis was dealt a difficult blow 
with Van Dyke's injury. And I'm not even just talking about last night. I'm talking about the last few weeks, right? That's a difficult blow to be dealt, okay? And I also, seeing just how bad Jake Garcia has been this season, he was dealt some difficult blows, but still, the play calling looks continually uninspired, predictable, and a little bit gutless last night as it's been all season long. We may have been catfished by a guy who won a Broyles Award last season, but clearly cannot sustain that sort of success without all the factors that Michigan had last year. So like when you run so many condensed sets, you need to be a little bit more creative in getting wide receivers open. Instead, our receivers all seem to kind of run the same routes to the same place. Uh, as far as the defense goes last night, yeah, they were terrible. <laughs> like the defense in that game, in a game where you give up 45 points and, you know, over 450 yards of offense, and, you know, one of their running backs had eight and a half yards per carry. You gave up another huge passing play. What was it a 59, 56 yarder? Yeah, the defense was terrible last night. And, you know, we gave up more long passing plays, which was an issue a few weeks ago. Uh, unfortunately, we do not have enough talent at linebacker. And we have a certain cornerback who gets exposed every time we face a decent receiver and a decent quarterback. Uh, so, I blame coaching a little bit less on the defense than I do on the offense. Still, though, letting Trey Benson put up eight and a half yards per carry, it's pathetic, especially since Miami entered this game with the second best rushing defense in the ACC. I do have to give Florida State credit, though. Like, this is not like the, the early 90s Bobby Bowden Florida State. Like, they're not a great team right now, but they're a pretty good team, and uh, their offense is very diverse, very balanced, and they they torched us last night. And I and I give Florida State credit because you know they've got the top rushing offense in the ACC, and they're top I think top thirteen, top fifteen in the country with their rushing offense. And they were able to rush for over two hundred yards against Clemson, who has far and away the best rushing defense in the ACC. Now Clemson had their own issues against Notre Dame. We'll get to that on another show because we face Clemson later on this year, of course. Uh, but like I give Florida State credit, guys, because obviously, you know, when Miami loses the game in the catastrophic fashion that they did, we do have to look internally for most of the answers. Right. Because there's no excuse for it being that embarrassing. But we also have to give credit to the Florida State Seminoles under year three of Mike Norvell. This team has clearly improved like they're they're setting a culture there. They brought in a ton of transfer portal guys. You know, don't forget. I mean, just for some perspective and some clarity here. So Mario Cristobal just lost his first rivalry game against Florida State, 45 to three. Mike Norvell's Seminoles lost 52 to 10 in their first matchup against Miami. So, I mean, that could at least give you like some hope that Rome wasn't built in a day and it can be built over the course of a couple of years, right? Um, Miami's players, they didn't look ready for the intensity of a rivalry game. They looked unprepared. And they didn't show the sort of fight and resiliency that we've seen at points throughout this season. Because in some of Miami's losses, we've said, hey, at least they showed some resiliency and some fight. Uh, that wasn't the case last night, which makes it all the more disturbing, considering this was a rivalry game. And it was the best crowd by far you've had all season. So with the players just looking unprepared and not having fight in them, is that on coaching or is it on the players? Anybody you see trying to put the blame 100% on either side of that is a liar. It's both. It has to be both. So 
I'm getting uh, I'm getting a lot of tweets and comments today from the anti Mario crowd because there are like people out there who have already eight games in. They've decided, bro, this guy's a fraud. This guy is just a more expensive Manny Diaz. He will never turn things around here. We're screwed. We're destined to be terrible forever, and we're paying this guy eighty million. Oh, we're never going to get any better. There, there, there's a growing number of people who start to get into that camp of just like completely giving up on the head coach already. And I'm receiving tweets and comments from the anti-Mario crowd. And they keep telling me, hey, bro, these players were better last year with different coaches. So it's 100% on coaching. Well, guess what, bro? These coaches were better last year with different players. So doesn't that tell you it's both? <laughs> yeah, a lot of these players went 7-5 and five with Manny Diaz last year. And they actually scored touchdowns with Rhett Lashley coaching the offense. That's fine. But this head coach, Mario Cristobal, went 10-4 and four last year with different players. And the offensive coordinator, not saying I'm defending him, but uh, Josh Gaddis, uh, as bad as he might look right now, was in the college football playoff last year with Michigan. So if your argument is that, and you're going all in with this without looking at the other side of the coin whatsoever, if your argument is that, hey, these players were better with different coaches, that it's pretty unfair to make that assessment without also pointing out that these coaches were better last year with different players. So, you know, uh, people don't want to see both sides of it. Everyone wants to make it like a black or white thing. Like it's either 100% this or 100% that. Um, I use the word disconnect, right? There is clearly, uh, and, and I do think that Miami's talent coming out of last year does get a little bit overhyped and a little bit overrated. Uh, I probably do put a little bit more of this on talent than I do on coaching, but I'm not 100% one side or the other. Absolutely. Uh, I think there's definitely a disconnect, right? I think new coaches, new culture, new way of doing things, new systems. Uh, not every player is taking to this the way you would like. And Hey, I wish we were in a situation like Lincoln Riley at USC or Brian Kelly at LSU. They just upset Alabama the other night. Like I wish we were in that kind of a situation where a new coach comes in and things click on all cylinders immediately. But folks, no situation is equal. And we see what's happening at Miami change of athletic director, new positions like GM of football operations added to the football program. Uh, you know, the way that they're really trying to just demolish and rebuild everything from the ground up. We have no choice not but to have a little bit of patience in this. And if you don't have patience, that's fine. That's your decision, right? If, if you would rather just, you know, on Saturday afternoons, instead of watching Miami get blown out, if you would rather just like sip pina coladas and just like go to the beach, that, that's fine, man. That's up to you. There's a lot to do in South Florida. If you've decided there's better ways to spend your time than watching Miami football let you down, that's totally on you. Uh, and, you know, maybe uh, we'll decide if we want to welcome you guys back on the bandwagon in a couple of years when the team becomes good again, because it's, it's going to happen. Okay. All right. So I'm going to give you. My biggest takeaways from last night when we come back, um, you know, we do have I can always find a silver lining. And I think Jakari Brown is one of the very few silver linings from last night's game. So let's talk about Jakari Brown and about Jakari Brown's future. And we also have to talk about recruiting because people are freaking out like, oh, after an embarrassment like that. Who's going to want to play here? We're going to lose all of our commits. No one's going to want to come here. Everybody's going to flip. I've got some very good news on that regard, my friends. So 
Make sure you keep it locked right here to Locked on Canes. And guys, these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. So if you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available, that's why you need to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Guys, I have been hired through LinkedIn Jobs before. I have connected with employers, and it's just unbelievable how fast, easy, and free this is. You just add your job and the purple hiring hashtag frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring, and people will see it, believe me. Then simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. Uh, so my big takeaways from that debacle, and I'm going to keep these brief because I don't feel like we want to just relive 45 to three, right? Hopefully this is, you know, the lowest point of this rivalry. I mean, Miami was at 47 to nothing uh, about 20, 25 years ago. We lost, hopefully 45 to three is like the lowest point in this rivalry we're ever going to have again, or at least in my lifetime. Cause if it happens after I'm dead, that's not really my problem. Hopefully in my lifetime, this is the low point for Miami against Florida state. Uh, so my big takeaways, uh, let me start with the quarterback position. I understand why he wanted to play because he's a gamer and he's a competitor. And I understand why the coaches decided to start him because he did practice late in the week. But with the benefit of hindsight, Tyler Van Dyke probably should not have suited up last night. And if he hadn't suited up last night, you could have probably better prepared Garcia and or Brown uh, to be the starting quarterback on Saturday. Because for Tyler, and I realize, guys, I, I have the benefit of of criticizing this after the fact, right? Because I, I, I'm not on the medical staff. I, I'm not one of the coaches watching him in practice throughout the week. I am second-guessing this. I fully admit that. But if it was that easy for Tyler to tweak his shoulder, because it didn't take long for him to do it, if it was that easy as he did it twice in the game before he left the game for good, hindsight tells me he was not healthy enough to start. He was clearly being held together by duct tape. Uh, and then as far as Garcia, I'm stumped on this one. Like I, I really can't explain why Jake Garcia is struggling this much. His interception, I guess it wasn't surprising because he threw three bad ones like that against Duke too. Uh, with Garcia, it would not shock me if he ends up hitting the portal. Uh, and, and again, like if, if you guys want to say, hey, well, it's the offensive coordinator or the quarterback coach's fault for Garcia, maybe there is some of that, right? Because, you know, in, in the last few weeks, Jake Garcia hasn't gotten better. So he might decide at the end of the year he needs a change of scenery, find somewhere else to play. I don't have any any inside information on that. I, I would love it if Garcia decides he loves being a cane and gets a lot better in the process. But I don't know. It would not surprise me if he ends up hitting the portal. <sighs> We might have something, though. On a positive note, we might seriously have something here with Jakari Brown. Like, I can't fully praise any of these quarterbacks in a game where three QBs combined for 62 passing yards, but Jakari Brown was by far the best of the bunch. 
He actually had the second highest pro football focus grade of any Miami Hurricanes player. Uh, only Jalen Knighton graded out higher and obviously, you know, kind of limited work, but he had a couple of big runs. But as far as Jakari Brown, I love everything about the way this guy competes, right? There were a lot of players on that field who were getting exposed and embarrassed. And, you know, some of them just looked like they checked out because there was nothing they could do. Like Jakari Brown was competing all throughout, right? I mean, I, I love the way that he competes. I love the way he fights for extra yards on the ground. And listen, in today's college football, mobile quarterbacks tend to be the most successful. That's just the way the game is going. This guy is fast and he's difficult to tackle. And as far as throwing the football, obviously Jakari Brown is not a polished passer yet. And that's basically been, you know, the big reason why they have been turning to Garcia before they turned to Brown, because, you know, Garcia and uh, not that he's really showing it on the field, but Garcia is the more polished thrower between the two. Uh, but I think we're seeing improvement there from Jakari as well. Like he threw a dart to Xavier Restrepo on third and nine to move the sticks. Like that was a big time throw that he made. And so that's obviously progress from the one hopper the week prior, and they never trusted him to throw before then. So we know that Brown is dangerous as a runner and as an athlete, and we're starting to see a little bit of the passing come into it because the dude has a rocket for an arm. I will give him that. Uh, and now elsewhere on offense, we, we saw a couple of nice runs from the rooster. I mean, Jalen Knighton had a, a 45-yard gain and a 13-yard gain. I don't know where this has been all season. You know, he's had the fumble problems. Uh, this is another guy who I think is a candidate to possibly hit the portal because uh, he's been in the doghouse this year because of all his fumbles. But I would love to see Jalen Knighton. I would love to see him finish the final three games of this season strong. Because uh, as far as guys who are like technically on the active roster this year, I think he and Don Chaney, who hopefully returns next week, have the highest ceilings in the running back room. And then I'll throw Trevante Citizen into that as well. He's been out for the year for injury, but Trevante Citizen, I cannot wait to see what he can do next year. Uh, and then I don't have a whole lot of other positive things to say, but I will say Andy Borgalis, Miami's kicker, um, He's the only Hurricanes player who's actually scored points in regulation for the past nine quarters. Because <laughs> Miami had no touchdowns in the fourth quarter against Duke, no touchdowns in four quarters plus four overtimes against Virginia, and no touchdowns in four quarters against Florida State. So we've gone nine quarters, you know, because Garcia did have the, uh, the two-point thing, but that was in overtime. We've had nine regulation quarters where the only Miami Hurricane to score is the kicker, Andy Borigalis. He had a big kick last night, 49 yards. Uh, he's been our best player for the last two games, probably. So we're going to talk about recruiting when we return because there's a lot to unpack here. Um, and listen, folks, we can be upset and pissed and dejected and tired about what's happening on the field this year, but I'm still extremely optimistic about recruit about the way recruiting is shaping up. Like the results on the field are not having the sort of effect on the future of recruiting that some of you or some of us thought that it would. And I think that that's, that's something to be excited about. If you're going to have anything positive to say about this Miami Hurricanes program right now coming off of one of the most embarrassing rivalry losses in program history it should be that despite the fact that the present looks incredibly cloudy we are looking at sunny skies on the horizon so we're going to talk about that right after we talk about that online 
Bet Online is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. So find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news, podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. And as always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information. There we go. You see that? Bet Online. Guys, I'm on Bet Online literally every single day. I'm checking the odds. I'm checking the articles because that's the underrated part of BetOnline.net. They're helping you win money. Like they are giving you tips and analysis, the sort of stuff that if you count on me to come up with some of this stuff on my own, I'm going to fail at that miserably. You get that from the great folks at BetOnline.net. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering info with live betting and up-to-the-minute scores for every sport out there. It is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite games and events, including MLB, MMA, boxing, and golf. So head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Thank you so much for making Locked on Canes your first listen today. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free, my friends, on YouTube as well. Uh, so as far as recruiting goes, and there were a ton of recruits at the U yesterday, a ton of recruits at Hard Rock Stadium. If you saw the photos of the recruiting section, it was overflowing. It was literally overflowing with recruits. And I know the reaction is going to be, ah, oh, did they have to watch that? Were they wearing blindfolds for the second half? Did we have to make them watch that? They're all going to commit to Florida State now. I, that's not happening, guys. It's not. All the signs right now, believe it or not, and I'm not blowing smoke here. Like, I'm being 1,000% serious. This is not me being a homer. I know I'm literally wearing a UM hat, and I'm figuratively wearing orange and green glasses. This is not me being a homer. All of the signs still point to the class of 2023 commits being more motivated not less motivated by what they're seeing right now Miami being so bad right now reinforces just how much these players are needed and it reinforces the opportunities that many of them if not most of them are going to have to literally compete for starting jobs the very second they arrive on campus I'll give you a few examples of these guys being locked in Francis Maui Goa top offensive tackle in the class is still 100% locked in and he's going to be an early enrollee in January. And let me tell you, man, Francis Maui go at the second that he enrolls, he's going to be certainly able to compete as one of the five best offensive linemen on the team next year. There's no doubt in my mind of that. And Maui Goa, he could start at right tackle. He could start at left tackle. He could start at guard. I don't know if he can play center, but he can literally play, you know, guard, tackle on either side. Like, he is that good, Maui Goa. Uh, I, I think he probably projects out best as the right tackle of the future, and I'm hoping Miami can land Samson Okunlola, five-star out of Thayer, Massachusetts, or Thayer Academy in Massachusetts, because he, he fits perfectly at left tackle, so you could have – a five-star at left tackle in Okunlola and a five-star at right tackle in Maui Goa. Maui Goa is locked in. Um, my guess is, and I put a Dono ball on this months ago, my guess is still that Samson Okunlola is going to be a hurricane, that he's going to commit to Miami, but he's not done it officially yet. So I think we're going to get both of those guys, but Maui Goa for sure, he's still 100% locked in. Uh, another verbal commit from Miami, and I love seeing these guys talk with fans and talk on social media after the game, even after a rough game like that. Malik Bryant, four-star linebacker from Orlando, tweeted after the game, class of 2023 and 2024, this should motivate y'all. LFG, man. So 
again, this is the way that these players are approaching it. These are this is the way the nucleus of the 2023 class is approaching it. Um, we're going to come in here and fix it. Like we're going to come in here. We're going to join together. We are going to ball out and we're going to bring Miami back to prominence. And we're going to, we're going to bring Cristobal's coaching back to prominence. And we're going to put ourselves in the best position to succeed. That's the way they are looking at it. Whether you choose to accept that or not, the class of 2023, the nucleus of it, because I can't speak for every individual player, but the nucleus of that class is locked in and more motivated, not less motivated. Ray Ray Joseph, four-star receiver from Miami Edison. He's another verbal commit to Miami. He tweets out, makes me more motivated and ready to get to the U, he says. And he's got the uh, he's got the hands emoji, the U, and he's got orange and green hearts on there as well. And he puts in the hashtag, better days ahead. That's the way these guys are approaching it. Um, the mother of Antonio Tripp. Now, Antonio Tripp, the interior offensive lineman, IMG Academy from, uh, from Maryland, uh, he... He is always one of the most vocal, and his parents are vocal as well. His dad tweets a lot. In this case, his mom tweeted out, as a mom of one of the committed recruits who want to be part of the solution, if we weren't locked in, y'all frustration could make kids rethink. 2023 class will help set the tone of Miami, she said. So that's a good sign there. Um, obviously, Miami had a lot of uncommitted players visiting as well. Well, actually, in this case, players who are committed but committed somewhere else that Miami is trying to flip. This was interesting. A huge shout-out to Izubi Charles of Kane Sport for talking to these players and writing about it. So Ohio State commits Mark Fletcher, four-star running back. Uh, I think he's a five-star, actually. And Brandon Ennis, five-star receiver. They were both at the game. This was the first Miami game they caught this year. And they spoke to uh, Izubi afterwards. They both said uh, that they're – they're told how much that they're needed at the U constantly. Innes said, they need me. That's what they've been preaching to me. I was talking to Ray Ray Joseph after the game, and he was like, you see why we need you. To see that from him, not only Ray Ray, but the coaching staff and Coach Cristobal, I really believe he could build it back up, he says. It takes time to build a program up, but I think they'll be able to get it done. This is an 18-year-old. He's got a lot of perspective. So Brandon Ennis, I know he's a verbal commit to Ohio State. He may end up sticking with OSU, but I'd love to see this guy flip and become a cane. Mark Fletcher said, I still believe in them. I hope they get things turned around quick. At the end of the day, even if I go to Ohio State, and I'm sure the Ohio State fans don't like to see the word if in that sentence, but he says, even if I go to Ohio State, I've always been a Miami fan growing up as a kid. And I always want to see Miami do great things. So I hope Cristobal turns things around. So you see some words there, not only from current Miami verbal commits, but even verbal commits to other places who understand the process and the pain that we're going through, but they think it's going to get better. So what happens next? First of all, I expect a ton of roster turnover. And I don't think that's a bad thing in this case. I won't speculate as to who. I've already speculated on a couple of guys, though. But I, I think we're going to see several players hit the portal at season's end. Like, could be well over a dozen, two dozen maybe. And I think well over a dozen, if not two dozen, will come in through the portal next year. Right? Players who choose to play for Mario Cristobal with a desire to make Miami better. Uh, I believe, as I stated, I think the nucleus of the 2023 class will stay intact. And I think Miami's going to land more big-time recruits before signing day, right? I think uh, I'm expecting Damari Brown to commit. Uh, I am expecting Okun Lola to commit, among others. Because these guys are being sold on the future, not on the present, all right? 
And they know, just being real here, they also know that the NIL situation at Miami is competitive. And the university is also investing in the facilities. So it's it's not a bad time to, uh, to take a shot on this program right now. Uh, I also think Mario Cristobal will absolutely make changes to his coaching staff before next year. He is the CEO, right? Mario hired what was a great-looking coaching staff on paper, but I do think some of these coaches are not living up to the billing. So if Mario truly wants to bring the U back, and I know he does, he wants nothing more than to bring Miami back, he's going to do whatever he feels necessary to get the proper staff in place. You live, you learn, and you move on. So Miami right now, see four and five on the year. Miami might finish four and eight. They might finish five and seven. If a miracle happens, they might go six and six. This season, this season right now is effectively over, okay? It's effectively over right now. As far as I'm concerned, the rest of this season, got three games left, Georgia Tech, Clemson, and Pitt. The rest of this season for me, and I think for this coaching staff, I don't want to speak for them, but I think the rest of this season is about figuring out who on this team can play for you is the big thing. Because some of these guys can play, but they can't apparently play for these coaches for whatever reason. So you figure out who wants to play for you, who can play for you and who can't, who on this team wants to play for you and who doesn't. Let's keep seeing what true freshmen like Jakari Brown and Wes Besaint can do. I'm very high on both of them. And if we can actually throw the ball from here on out, let's get Colby Young a strong finish to the season because he's going to be a big part of the future as well. In the meantime, these coaches are going to continue to recruit their butts off between now and February. So this is a dark time right now, friends. But I do believe there is light at the end of the tunnel and uh, a lot of bumps in the road. I still trust fix. Uh, I still, I was going to call him fixable. I still trust Cristobal to fix it. Fixable. I trust Mario Cristobal to identify the problems and fix them. Unfortunately, it's going to take more time than a lot of us thought it would. So, thank you so much for tuning in, guys. Uh, I want to. I want to thank you for making Locked On Canes your first listen. For your next listen, check out Locked On Sports today. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. We'll talk to you again tomorrow on another episode of Locked on Canes, part of the awesome Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.